And those lovely notes of Giuseppe Verde mean it's time for another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio at the highest level. Uh, Frank Crivello, back in the seat. Want to thank, uh, first of all, bring in my co-host Richard Carbon. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. Welcome back. Oh, good, good. Glad to be back. And, uh, you know, you and Scott did uh, did a solid job there holding down the fort last week. So, um, had some... Uh, was excited about finally getting getting on and ha- and and, uh, and and doing a pod with Scott, and then realized that we scheduled uh, <laughs> scheduled this uh, in conflict with a family event that I and I said, well, you and Scott have done this before without me, so just go ahead, uh, <laughs> you know. So uh, uh, so no, you guys uh, you did a good job holding down the fort, and um, it was a, it was a good listen, and um, you know, here I am back, uh, nothing that was. Nothing other than then just uh, you know some commitments with my family that uh, uh, that I made prior to and just you know these things happened and you 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 were at the very beginning of this get ready because it's going to happen to you too so <laughs> <laughs> and so can you can you please confirm that you were you did not in fact streak down the quad I did not okay, no very good very no good. God no sure. nobody wants to see that <laughs> um, that would <laughs> nobody wants to see that so. Uh, you know, but I did, uh, I, I did, uh, we did have the, uh, with, with my friends, we had our white, we had our annual white elephant, uh, Christmas party last night. So, uh, uh, you know, enjoyed, uh, uh, enjoyed a few too many bourbons last night. Let's just say that. So just, uh, um, just, uh, trying to, uh, trying to regroup a little bit here after that. And, uh, uh, you know, a good time, you know, a good time that we have. Have you ever done, have you ever done one of those? Uh, no, I have not actually. Uh, I heard about I heard about it many times, but I have not, in fact, done that. Yeah, it's either you 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 you, you buy you basically take a gift. It, it, it's 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 the whole gift exchange, and you take you take something in your house you don't want anymore. You wrap it up as a gift, um, and uh, you know, and and then there's a order of which you you know you pick the gifts, and you can steal. And I, I'm not going to go into it too much, so but. Uh, you know, but it was it was a good time. It was a festive time. You know, not so many players being festive in Serie A, Richard. What is it with all these red cards I'm going through? My goodness, we. But you know what? This we'll start with the red cards. I mean, that we this is supposed to be a, a time of of giving and a time of being festive and a time of being cheerful. And we've got a lot of we got a lot of players behaving very very badly uh, in Serie A. We had uh, in Sunday's action, we had four red cards. Um, and then on Saturday, I want to say, you know, what did we have in, on Saturday? We had two more. We had six players sent off in Serie A this weekend. Wow, yeah. that's. Uh, I mean, I will say this. Red is a color of Christmas, so uh, in a way they are getting to the Christmas sphere. But, yeah, you would expect uh, this time of year players to be more friendly, and that certainly didn't happen this weekend. Um, I stand corrected. I think it's actually seven. There were two players sent off for Sampdoria. So, yes, yes. Uh, or excuse me, for, for Cagliari. So one, two, yeah, seven players sent off. Um, but then there's all kinds of goals. I mean, this man, this weekend, had it all in Serie A. You had, you had goals. There were 30 goals. Tried to, you know, Milan and Torino didn't get the memo. Um, <laughs> no. But uh, you had players getting sent off. You had last-minute equalizers, winners, uh, you know, all kinds of drama uh, in what was uh, one of the craziest uh, week match weekends uh, in Serie A in quite some time. So there's a lot to break down. We're going to start with uh, what started it all as the marquee game. Um, 
of the weekend, the Derby dell'Italia, uh, Juventus and Inter. Uh, Juve in commanding lead uh, in Serie A. Inter trying to prove that they are worthy challengers, a team that many people thought uh, would be Juventus's closest uh, title rival. Um, apparently Napoli uh, and Ancelotti and co. Uh, were not briefed on that. Uh, because they're certainly not uh, playing by those rules. But uh, Inter's opportunity to show, have they made the step up? Are they ready to be among the big boys? And uh, are they ready to turn this into a title challenge? And can they pull the shock at the J? Uh, Juventus, can they get even more separation uh, from their closest title rivals in the form of Napoli and Inter? Uh, so we see the lineups here, Richard. Uh uh, Juventus, pretty straightforward and not real surprising considering uh, the Alexandro uh, injury. So uh, it was Chesney in goal. Decilio gets the, uh, uh, the spot start. Uh, Bonucci, Chiellini, and uh, Joao Cancelo moves over to the left. Uh, it was a midfield of Bentancur, who has been in excellent form. Milan Pjanic and Blaise Matuidi. Uh, and then a front three of Dybala, Mandzukic, and Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, no real surprise to uh, how Juve came out. No, and really the only only thing that would have been uh, surprising for me is the Shellio tends to be a player who can play either left or right, and so you would think he would be slotted into the left and keep Cancelo on the right. But obviously, uh, we'll get to we'll get to this later. But Allegri knows what he's doing, so he put Cancelo on left, and it seemed to work out. And I actually reached out to Adam Digby to ask about this when I saw the line, when I saw the team news, um, and uh, he. Uh, he thought that it would be Decilio on the right because he did not want Cancelo to be bogged down with dealing with Ivan Perisic, um, which was a which was a, which was a smart decision. Um, you know, your Politano tends to play a little bit more narrower and can be dealt with by some of the Juve midfield. Um, you know, some of that is to allow Sime Versialco to come forward, but Politano likes getting that ball on his left foot and cutting inside. So, when a ball can get one for Juve, there's space for Cancelo to go forward and operate on that left hand side. So, in that vein. Definitely see how that makes sense. Um, so uh, having said that, um, Inter do counter with Sami Handanovic in goal, back four of Versielko, Miranda, Skriniar, and Asamoah. Uh, in midfield, they went with uh, Brozovic and Gagliardini in a double pivot with Joao Mario you know, in front of them, uh, more or less. And then a front three of uh, Politano, Perisic, fr- flanking Moro Icardi. Um, Joao Mario getting the start, uh, Raja Nainggolan injured, uh, you know, let's talk Nainggolan cause I think his presence was missing, uh, you know, for Inter in, in, in large periods in this game, especially in the first half where Inter were exhibiting a little bit of control in this game. Yeah, Ninja Nainggolan, he tends to be a player that can really, you know, stick in the mud there, get, you know, get himself involved into the game. His presence not being there. Uh, he showed for sure that um, it gave Juve, Juve had more room to do what they needed to do. Uh, with, with a player like Nainggolan that's in there, he breaks up the plays, he, he can he can spearhead the defense into the offense. Uh, he is a, such a well-rounded player and an integral person really because uh, you need someone like that when there's a team that's such a strong midfield. You need someone, a cannonball if you will. Uh, Napoli have Alan, for example. They need a guy who can just break up the play and, and change it up and mix it up and get dirty because... Uh, you, that's what you need those kind of players to to break up the 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 big Juve midfield that they have and 
if you can do that, you can uh, break up some of the possession they have. But uh, you, Inter were missing this in this game. And it uh, requires a much larger workload in that regard for a player like Brozovic, who when we've had Nima Tavali on before, uh, it's certainly a role that Brozovic seems to be embracing and gladly taking on. Um, so uh, so the uh, as we mentioned, uh, Inter were the one that was creating the chances. They, they, they came in and they started to press Juve, trying to play out of the back. Uh, they were winning it in some uh, key areas. They were creating some chances. Uh, the most notable opportunity in the first half, Richard, it was nil-nil at halftime. Um, the most notable opportunity, Gagliardini had a very, very good chance to score uh, and put it just wide. Yep. I mean, what you want from a team that's want, trying to make uh, the jump into the upper echelon of the league, right? You want to prove themselves mm-hmm. against, against the champions. Come out, come out in a strong first 45, and that's what Inter did. And their, their, their best opportunity came in, what was it, 29th minute or something like that? Gagliardini, point-blank shot against uh, uh, against the keeper, against Chesney, and misses it just wide. Or did he hit the post? Or, I forget what it was. but uh, Yeah, hit the post. Uh, but it's a glorious opportunity. you got to take your chances against Juventus. You don't get that many opportunities as it is. So when you get it, you need to be clinical. Juve are just going to, you know, resourceful Juve, they, they wait for those chances. And when they get those chances, they, they're clinical, they finish. Uh, Inter need to learn that if they want to kind of if they want to be able to go head to head with a, with the Juventus letting 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 quality opportunities like that go comes back to bite you no matter what especially against Juventus and we've seen it time and time again and we've saw it in this game yeah especially um especially when uh you're playing at the J any precious chances you're going to get especially with the way they defend especially with the way they organize they don't give you a lot so when the opportunities present themselves you've got to take them um, so that clearly didn't happen. Uh, obviously Gagliardini getting the best chance in the first half for Inter. Uh, it did go zero, zero at halftime. Uh, no changes at the break. Um, and Juventus started to grow with more confidence into the game. Uh, we're starting to see some shots from Ronaldo. Dybala had some, uh, pretty good influence in this one as well. Uh, but uh, it was, uh, and I'm going to start, uh, we have a new nickname for a player here on Serie A sit-down. Richard, you ready for this? I'm ready. Big Game Mo. <laughs> Mario Mandzukic. We're going to call him Big Game Mo because you know what? He's coming up with the goals in the big games, and he has done yep. it again on a cross from Joao Cancelo. It was a beautiful pass. Uh, like I said, again, Cancelo you would think is normally known for his right crossing, but uh, he crossed with his left foot. Perfectly placed. And Mandzukic, he's going to tower over any kind of back Center, he'll tower over most center backs, but let alone a left back or a right back covering him. So it was uh, easy, easy goal for him. A header. He uh, if he gets a, if he gets his head on his head or foot or anything on the ball, it's going to go in more, nine times out of ten that close to the goal. And Handanovic, uh, he had no shot at that. Yeah, excellent finish. And on this one, yeah, he didn't have to really tower over anybody. He just he just beat the defender to the spot. Um, you know, and uh, it was a low, nice low driven cross by uh, by Cancelo there. Uh, a ball that all you have to do is redirect it, and that's exactly what Mandzukic did. And uh, Juve went Juve the rest of the game, Richard. Um, I mean, they basically suffocated Inter in anything that they wanted to do. Inter tried to go forward, but there was never really anything to me uh, that suggested suggested danger, suggested that they were going to score. Um, you know, Chesney uh, only asked to make two saves in this game, and, and nothing particularly troubling. Um, and, uh, and again, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a Juventus win. Now, uh, 
Spalletti certainly tried to change this up. He had Borja Valero coming on for uh, Matteo Politano. Right. Um, I had a problem with that substitution. Did you? I did too. Politano is a very influential player for Internazionale. Uh, he he can uh, pull the strings offensively. He backtrack. He does he does everything you would want for a winger to do, or really any player to do. As soon as he came off, it signaled the 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 downfall of Inter, if you will, and really it gave Juve the opportunity to say, you know what, I'm gonna put my foot down on your throat and end this game. And that's kind of what they did once uh, Borja Valero came in. Yeah, I mean Borja Valero at this stage of his career, he's a you know, he's a midfield guy. He's a runner. He's a good passer. Um, you know, but he's not going to be able to. He, he doesn't have the shooting ability that a Politano has. Uh, you know, doesn't have a prowess on set pieces like Politano has. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I guess that uh, at that point, Inter thought, okay, if we get any, you know, dead ball crossing situations, corners, Versalco can take care of that. Um, <clears throat> he, I think that from the only thing I could fathom from it is that Spalletti wanted a little bit more. Uh, balance in midfield and was willing to sacrifice a playmaker type and maybe try to hit them on the counter and have it be something where it's between Perisic and Icardi to get the deciding goal. It just didn't work. Um, and uh, I'm seeing nothing about a, you know, a, a, a anything regarding a injury, um, you know, as I'm kind of going through this. Uh, but, um, you know, so it was a strange substitution. And then after, after conceding, um, they do go into panic mode a little bit. Gagliardini comes off, Keita Baldi comes on, and then João Mario comes off for Lotaro as they try to get a second striker in there. But all of it was just, you know, it's almost as if Juventus is like, we, we, we know you're going to do this. We're ready for it when you do. Um, and uh, I just, I thought it was a, a resourceful, efficient performance from the champions and uh, a reason why um, they're where they are and Inter still has a way to go if they're ever going to be a legitimate contender for a Scudetto. Yeah, it's true. And um, Gab Marcotti, I heard him say, I think it was him uh, earlier was saying that, you know, really Inter and both both Milan clubs are really three to five years behind Juventus. So, but Inter, if they wanted to show their intent and show that they're actually ready for the game, the limelight, you know, if they had scored on their earlier opportunity in the game with Gagliardini, the dynamics of the game would have changed. Inter, Juve would have started pressing more, would have left them a little bit more open in the back, and then they would have cut got some counter goals, but potentially, you know, never know. But the fact that they didn't capitalize on that, and then Spalletti going with the defensive uh, substitution as opposed to an offensive one, right? He's uh, he's gonna yeah, at that point he's like, hey, let's just go for the draw at this point. Maybe you get a counter goal or something, but we'll try to lock it up tight. But that's defensive thinking right there, and and Juve they capitalized on that right away almost. It was a couple mm-hmm. minutes after after that substitution, and then they, then they react and say, oh, let's get let's do offensive substitutions now, and that's too little, too late. Uh, Spalletti maybe overthought this one, but. I thought if Inter were going to win this game, they would have to be resourceful like they had been for the last month. Uh, and in the first half, they they were doing the right stuff. They just were, they were just not capitalizing. And eventually, once uh, Juve got their lead, that's lock it up. They're going to be resourceful. Juve do exactly what they need to do. Uh, like you said, they were expecting some of these substitutions, and they and they they countered um, as you'd expect. And then they ended the game uh, accordingly. Um, they, there was no real worry for Max Allegri's team and. Uh, it's Juve doing what Juve do, does, and you know now they got a, a even bigger lead in Syria. Yeah, you're not you're not planning on a a multi goal spectacle when these two teams hook up, or even when Juventus plays anybody. Uh, they 
they're going to they're going to get efficient, they're going to be organized and they're going to get out of there with three points. This isn't watching Barcelona or Manchester City or some of these teams that you know want to go out and explode for four or five goals. Allegri's not interested in that. Allegri's interested in winning. And um you know that's clearly what happened here. Um and uh again, resourceful Juve at it again. And uh uh, a, a great win for them gives them further separation as they pursue this title. Even more evident that uh, this race is over. <laughs> We're just kind of playing it out. Um, you know, we'll talk about Napoli a little bit later on. They're eight clear of Napoli. Uh, they're 14 clear of Inter. Uh, so um, uh, they're just uh, they're just running away with this thing. And, and to me, they already have this thing wrapped up. Yeah, I mean, you'd hate to say it so early in a season, but uh, I mean, if you look at it right now, it seems like it's over, right? Um, yep. Thing, Juve really has a hard, a difficult schedule coming into December, so things could really change. Napoli have been playing really well. Um, the, they put out a young team today, and we'll get to Napoli, but they put out an average lineup of like 25 years old or something today, and it was ridiculous, and they played so well. Um, that said, Juventus are just rolling along, and they're going to have such a big lead at, at you know towards the you know knockout stage of the Champions League. They could probably start resting up, and it'll probably get closer then. But you know, for lack of a better word, this this title is over unless something dramatic happens where Juve falter unexpectedly and and Napoli and Inter or whomever continue to rise. How about um, Inter? Where they go from here? Um, you know, uh, Spalletti. Uh, just said Inter too inconsistent, um, you know. And I'm reading this from uh, Football Italia uh, .net. Um, here's here were his quotes that he said to Sky Sport Italia: "The game had to be played a certain way with consistent attitude, realizing there are moments when you are going to be under pressure and need to get ten players behind the ball." Did that largely well. I, I agree with that. Uh, but there are some situations where we just don't interpret or read them properly. Where Juventus never get that wrong again. We're harping on this pretty much the entire time. Uh, if someone takes the lead, of course it makes the difference, but we made too many banal and cheap errors. There was one incident where we burst away and got behind their defense but couldn't get the ball in the forwards. That sort of thing can make the difference, and we struggled to be consistent for 90 minutes. Um, and uh, <clears throat> he said there's always someone who is too slow, talks too much, who is lax and not on the same page as others. Um, what are we talking about? Uh, <laughs> Joao Mario, probably, uh, yeah. but he had lar- we had largely played well, and the pressing to run back and defend when needed was a good sign. Unfortunately, Juve are smart. We are naive. They have a waste of <laughs> have a waste way of wasting five minutes after a foul. Now that's bitter. Um, <laughs> Who, but, doesn't? Uh, Who doesn't though? Right. <laughs> so, um, but you know, is it is it that simple? Juve are smart, and Inter are naive. Is is Spalletti onto something here? In a way, in a way, yeah, they they are naive because they haven't been there and they uh, they haven't been there recently. And Juve have Juve have been dominating the scene for the last you know seven years and seven eight going on eight years now. Um, it's it's they got they got to shore up a couple things right. Inter are close, they're very close. Uh, they didn't get blown out in this game. It's not like they have to you know. I'm looking at this to red and black guys. I'm gonna say tear it all tear it all down and start over again. But that's me. Um, <laughs> but no, if you're looking at it unbiasedly. Inter are fine. Look, you just played Juventus and you lost by a goal. No big deal. Right. You lost at the J. Uh, it's not the end of the world. You have still so look at the schedule ahead. You got some favorable matchups coming up. Let's keep playing well. You're in the mix for for the top three. Uh, you're you're right there nipping on Napoli's heels. 
just keep with it. It's not over yet. You just got to find a way in the big games to play more consistently, more clinically. Um, you got a great opportunity against PSV this week coming up on the Champions League. If you want to make your statement about that your your intent is is clear to 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 get better, raise raise the bar, if you will. You know, this is the time you got to do it. Forget the match, move on, and and do better. Um, they're they're close. They're very very close. I like what I've seen in the last month. They've, they've They've had shades of Juventus in their play, but they've been very resourceful in their wins. They haven't been the prettiest games, but they've won them uh, other than this one. So they're they're almost there. So they, they are naive in a bit because still in the big games, they're not finishing the opportunities that they have. Um, had this been the script flipped, away, flipped around, well, we saw what happened. Juventus score. They're not going to miss their chances when they have them in the big games. I mean, maybe, sure. in, maybe in the Champions League finals or something, but not in regular play like this. So... Uh, they they got a little bit of ways to go and Inter are close, but uh, yeah, just got they got to hunker down and and figure out ways to to uh, raise the morale, raise the spirits uh, in these big games. Indeed, um, yeah, I I don't think they're terribly far off. I just worry about the mentality. I think that he is onto something here, um, you know. But it's it, it's a stigma. It seems to follow Spalletti wherever he goes. You can say the same thing about his Roma teams too, and Inter, um, and Inter as well. Yeah, so. You know, so you know, it, it, you, you might you might be Spalletti might be part of the problem, but uh, <laughs> you know, who knows? But yeah, the, the the talent is there to be there, you know. But now they're they're in this balancing act because they're very inconsistent. Their away form, in particular, is getting very troubling. They got crushed at Atalanta. They lose this game at Juventus, which fine, a lot of people are going to do that. Um, they lost at Tottenham in the Champions League by a goal to nil, where they they looked like I mean, it was a goal, it was a one goal to nil win for Tottenham, but did. It looked like Inter was har- hardly in it, um, you know, because I remember watching that game and it didn't look like they carved much out uh, against Spurs in that game. So, um, you know, so I, they've got to do something about the sudden, you know, struggles in their away matches. Um, and uh, I thought they played a solid match overall, but clearly don't have enough or have not found a way, you know, to overcome some of the things that Juventus are so good at. And I think that that's where. Um, you know that's where things need to uh, need to show themselves um, a little bit better. So, uh, so Inter third on twenty nine points, Juve running away with it, forty three points, played fifteen, won fourteen, draw drew one, um, and um, now we got to ask the question: Is is Juve going to lose a game this season in I the mean- league? It's 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 looking like that. I mean, if you look at the stats, Juventus Juventus have equaled the best start after 15 match days in the top five European leagues in the three point era with you know 43 points. So it looks like they're one of these unbeatable teams. Um, you saw, had they won this game three nothing or something, uh, you'd say yeah they got no chance that they're going to lose this year. It was close. They had their chances, but still. Juventus are resourceful. They didn't have to win big, right? They just got to win pretty. And if right. they win like this, they do kind of look unstoppable, don't they? I mean, they they're probably gonna they're probably gonna lose, but it has to be an extraordinary effort. Juve weren't Juve weren't fantastic by any stretch in this game, right? They they were they were just you know resourceful. They were average. Um, Inter really had to play out of their mind to try to beat them and couldn't do it. Um. Yeah, well, I think they've had the benefit of getting Inter and Napoli at home here in the first half of the season. They've got to go to both of those places in the second half. Um, you know, so there's still the possibility that they'll lose a game. But um, it's uh, it's getting interesting, 
You know, it's, uh, you know, it's getting interesting. I mean, I think when you start to get to about, if they can get to match week, go, you know, around 25. All right. And I think that trip to San Paulo is included in that. If they can get to that and still be without a loss, then you start having a look at that and you start, uh, um, you start thinking, Hey, maybe this is going to be possible. So, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll definitely be interested to see how that plays out. Uh, fans of Juve and Inter, your thoughts on what you saw on Friday at Serie A sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Richard is going to take us through what we thought, what we could call the undercard uh, of match week 15. Yeah, so uh, the start of the undercard was uh, Lazio hosting Sampdoria at Stadio Olimpico. Uh, this game <laughs> depends on when these two teams, what the form of these two teams are. This could be a really classic match or it could be a, a dud or something in the middle. You never know with these two teams because they, they put up great performances and they put up some stinkers as well. Uh, and this one, uh, the lineup for Lazio was was pretty strong, I'd say, Frank. Uh, Strakosha, obviously, in net in the back three of Wallace Acerbi, who's having a really great uh, revival of his career with with Lazio, uh, and Radu. And then in the midfield, you had Patrick, Parolo, Badai, Milinkovic, Savic, and Lulic. And then up top, you had Saicedo and Immobile. Uh, countering that for Sampdoria, um, a very good, very good lineup as well. Auduro, who's a, who's a fantastic keeper. Uh, Berzinski, uh, Kali, Anderson, and Maru, and uh, Muru, excuse me, in the back. And in midfield, you had um, Pret, Ekdal, Lanetti. And up top, you had Ramirez with Qualiarella and Caprari. Uh, this is certainly um, a, from a neutral standpoint, at least, Frank. I thought this was a very, uh, a very mouthwatering match because we had the potential of many goals. Yeah, you did. Um, you have a Lazio that it's, it's very interesting. Lazio in big games at home, they struggle. Sampdoria in big away games, they struggle. So, you know, to me, I kind of went in with the mindset that something has to give here. Um, and, uh, more often than not, you're going to find, you're going to find an entertaining game out of that. Uh, you're not going to find, certainly the two teams aren't going to play tight. So, um, so as it stands, it was, uh, certainly, um, you know, as you'll as you'll tell us, uh, it certainly turned out that way. Yeah, and uh, and, and in fact, uh, in the opening stages of the game, around the twenty first minute, uh, Sampdoria was some slick passing. The ball ended up to Nicholas Muru, and he made a cross pa- across the pitch pass, uh, right point blank to uh, F- Fabio Cagliarella. He he doesn't miss those opportunities, Frank. Just like that, one nothing Sampdoria. And for Qualiarella, this is his fifth game in, fifth game in a row where he scored. Uh, that's a record for him in, in a Serie A campaign. It does not matter how old he gets. Uh, his poaching ability, it's, it's up there with, with the best in the league. Uh, I mean, he poaches goals. He scores brilliant goals. He does it so many different ways. And, um, you know, he's done it again. Uh, you know, it, I mean, I, this was a nice team goal. Uh, nice little combination, a little bit of interplay, good, good ball across that you know, there's no chance the coach is going to be able to come out and, and get to the cross. Um, and uh, it was uh, easy pickings for uh, Qualiarella on the back post. So a uh, great team goal and a great start for Sampdoria to go ahead 1-0. Yeah, uh, the game would go into halftime 1-0 by that scoreline. But a worthy a worth note here is Berezinski picked up a yellow in the 40th minute. And uh, we'll explain why later. Uh, so coming out, coming out the half, um, Lazio made some substitution. They brought in Correa. Uh, for Badai, they brought in Cataldi for Caicedo, 
And so the game started to get uh, looked like it was starting to become more wide open. Frank, um, uh, opportunities started going both ways, and really. Lazio finally paid off with all the opportunities they were creating. Uh, Cherubi getting a goal in the 79th minute. Uh, a beautiful, beautiful play off a corner kick. The uh, assist by uh, Marco Parolo. Did you catch the back heel he made that a Cherubi scored on? You're pretty astonished by that. I actually thought that this would be a game where Marco Parolo, Parolo scores a goal. He, he seems to pop up in these, in these kind of games. Um, but uh, that didn't happen. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, if, you, if you're not going to do that, certainly, uh, certainly do a... Uh, uh, a nice little flick um, like he did, uh, and uh, it was an easy one for a, a Cherby to finish. So the score is 1-1 in the 79th minute. Uh, we're going towards the 90th minute at this point. Uh, it looks like we're going to have a draw on our hands. Then uh, it starts getting feisty, Frank. Uh, Lanetti picks up a yellow in the ninth. Berezinski picks up his second red. Uh, or second yellow, I should say, into a red. Uh, that would lead to a, he he ends up fouling. I forget who he fouls in the box. Immobile would get the penalty kick. He gets the lead for he scores the goal in the fifth minute of stoppage time. Um, it's two one Lazio, and you're thinking it's over, right? I mean, it's got to be fifth minute of stoppage time, penalty goal. That's got to be over, right? Well, I I think if I'm not mistaken, um, the Beres- the Berezinski red came a few minutes before. Um, and didn't necessarily lead to the penalty. Um, the penalty came from... Uh, Anderson? Was it Anderson? No, the penalty came from a Luis Alberto free kick that got handled uh, that they had to go to VAR. Um, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that they had to go to VAR, and they, they, they reviewed it, and they said, yes, that's a penalty. Um, and uh, then um, Immobile puts the penalty away. Uh, so... Uh, so for uh, for me, that's what ended up happening. Yeah, Berezinski, yeah, it looks like in the 92nd minute he got that second yellow, um, got sent off, and then, yeah, it was the Luis Alberto free kick that got handled, and that was handled by Joachim Anderson. Uh, they went to VAR to review it, and then it was a uh, Chiro Immobile um, penalty uh, that he took to put Lazio ahead two goals to one. Yeah, and you, so you think it's over with that late into stoppage time. Uh, Lazio, uh, they, they must have thought they had to win as well because uh, they stopped playing. Sabdoria kept playing. And then three minutes later, in the ninth minute of stoppage time, uh, someone makes a long, deep pass uh, over everybody. Sapunara gets on the end of it, flicks it past the goalkeeper. He scores a game-tying goal. Uh, his goal in the ninth minute of stoppage time Actually, it was 98th minute and 49 seconds is the latest scored goal in Serie A since 2004-2005 when people started tracking this kind of stuff. That, that was a uh, an emotional thriller way to end the game, 2-2. This says more about Lazio than anything. I mean, they, I mean, they stopped playing. I mean, they had the they had the game one and they they just let up the back the back three or whoever they weren't even paying attention and they allowed Sapanada to get behind everybody and, and get that goal. It wasn't a, it wasn't a flick. He was breakaway is what it was. Well, this is the the continued fragility of Lazio, um, you know, and why you know while they're they're they're, they're doing they're doing well and they've got twenty five points, you can't really take them seriously as a top four contender because they're just going to drop. They're just going to drop so many of these points in goofy ways that um, that they're that they're going to it's going to be hard for them to mount a charge. Uh, uh, I've got the Sapunata goal as the goal of the week. Uh, lovely goal. Um, whether he meant to do it or not, uh, it was very creative. It was very clever. Um, 
And uh, it's a it's a slight winner in goal of the week because there were some really good ones across the board in the you know in on the peninsula this weekend. But uh, but Sampdoria maybe sheds their reputation a little bit more than Lazio sheds theirs. Um, and uh, you know in the end uh, with how this game played out, uh, a point you know regardless of how it was uh, achieved for both teams uh, seemed fair. So. Uh, it was a very balanced game. Um, you know, Lazio certainly enjoyed more of the chances. Interestingly enough, Sampdoria two shots on target, two goals. Uh, so proficient, proficient. Yeah, yeah, very proficient. Um, so, uh, needless to say, uh, uh, Stavakoja had himself a pretty bad day. Uh, the two that, you know, the two that he had to deal with, he uh, he didn't deal with either of them. No, yeah, he he had a bad game, and and now Lazio had a bad game, especially at the end. They they threw it away because they you score you score in a six minute stoppage time on a penalty kick, you should win the game, and they did not. So, but that's not that wasn't even one of the worst of giveaways this weekend. We'll get to the that one later, but um, yeah, poor Lazio and good for Sampdoria. They went on the road and uh, they're shedding some of that uh, that that the stigma that they've had in their career. So we'll see. They got to keep it up though. Indeed, indeed. So. Uh... Um, what else do we got? We had Milan and Torino was probably the other, uh, the other, you know, as far as brand name was probably the undercard. Uh, um, this is what we call, this is what we can kind of call a, uh, uh, a catch up, uh, a catch up game to go over, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, uh, this game should have been a really good one. You had, uh, two fantastic strikers and, uh, um, Iguain on one side, Belotti on the other side. You're expecting goals in this game. You're looking at the lineups, and the lineups are fairly strong. Um, you know, Milan came out with Donnarumma, Calabria, Abate, who's playing pretty well at center back, actually, with Zapata, and then Rodriguez at left, and then Milan had a four-man midfield of um, Suzo, Bakayoko, Kessi, and Chalanolu. Up top, of course, Cutrone and Higuain. And then Torino, they also have a strong lineup. Uh, Sirigu, who's been having a fantastic career resurgence with, with Torino. Um, Itzo, Nkulu, and, and Gigi. And, and defense, and then in the middle midfield, you had Aina, Meta, Rincon, Baselli, Ansaldi, with Iago Falke and Belotti up top. Um, you know, this game <laughs> did not turn out uh, how we would want, especially as a neutral, I can, I can only imagine. But uh, this game did have some fantastic saves in, the, in this game. Sirigu was forced to make a big save uh, late in the game. Donnarumma had, had to make a, a humongous save early on on Iago Falke. It was a header up point blank, and Somehow Frank uh, Donnarumma powers it over the over the crossbar, but I thought for sure that was a goal by Torino early on. Yeah, Torino definitely uh, came out strong. We're definitely the better team, uh, you know, in the opening exchanges of this game. Um, you know, while the possession was might have been relatively balanced, it was Torino that was certainly doing a lot more with it. Uh, first half hour of the game, I just kept thinking, said Milan are just they're just one pass away every time. Uh, they could get it through the first two thirds of the pitch, but then that's when things would tighten up. Uh, Nkulu was particularly very tough on Iguain today. I thought I, you know, got a yellow in the first half, but then maintained his composure the rest of the game and played really well. Um, so he only got a second yellow one time. They they do they go to VAR at one point to see if he had handled the ball in the box. He did make some outrageous like move with his arm uh, when when off of Iguain shot, but they determined it wasn't intentional. Uh, he got away with one there, but yeah, I agree with you. He 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 got more composed as the rest of the game went on and. He was very, very good today. Yeah, I think he, I think he played. I think he played well overall, and on that on that VAR decision, I I did not have a problem with 
the um, decision to go to VAR to have a look at it, but all along I didn't think there was anything in it. So um, I wouldn't have given a penalty there, and I think that uh, Orsato got that one right. So Some of the most action in the first half is uh, three of the four center backs picking up yellow cards. Uh, they weren't either in, in the very very nice mode, very Christmas mode this uh, to start the game. Uh, but you know, as the game went on, the teams would switch. You know, uh, momentum. At times, it seemed like Milan were starting to dominate the game. Then, then Torino, and it kept going back and forth and back. Every time you thought someone was going to score, the other team would turn it around, and then the momentum would swing. So, is that what you kind? Is that is that the? Is that what you got watching the game? Yeah, I mean, it very much was a game of, you know, you know, it was not, I mean, for for a game that was zero zero, it was definitely a. Um, you know, this team started, was in control for, you know, 15 or 20 minutes. And then the next 15 or 20 minutes, you know, Torino opened up and then Milan probably for the second part of the first half were the better team. Uh, and then you go into the second half, um, you know, Torino were playing a little bit better. They, they certainly came out, uh, in the second half looking like the better side and looking like the team that we're going to score. And then Milan makes some adjustments. Castellejo comes on. Um, they start gaining control of the game and start carving out some chances. The best chance in this game was Patrick Cutrone after some clever play by, of all people, Bakayoko, um, you know, to find Kessie in the box and then Kessie dropping it into Cutrone, just a technical error by Cutrone. The ball just got caught underneath him a little too much for him to get anything on it Pushes and to get it. Wide. Yep. And to get it and to get it directed. Um, so, uh, and, and, and you normally see Cutrone finish those and prepare the ball a little bit better. So, but overall, that was probably the best chance all game. Um, Iguain had a, a, a chance that was headed goalwards that was saved, um, a little bit later on. Um, but, uh, overall, uh, you know, a balanced game that, you know, teams were, were, were trading periods of, uh, of superiority. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, there were certainly for a, for a game that was zero zero. There were there were a lot of opportunities, a lot of swings in the game, more than you would expect. Um, it wasn't the most entertaining zero zero game, but there was it was more there's more more back and more ebbs and flows as you said. And you know they, both teams had a lot of shots. I think it was something like sixteen to fourteen uh, in favor of Milan, but uh, I think Torino had more on more shots on target with four to three or something. So there was opportunities in those games. Um, there were some. Uh, some close calls in the game as well, um, but you know overall, uh, I think both teams will take that point considering you know Torino being on the road, Milan you know being injury riddle. Um, I think they're both going to be content with uh, you know, getting out of this with a win and not getting a loss. Man of the match for me was Kofi Gigi of Torino. Um, I he did an outstanding job on Suzo. Um, I think that you know Suzo he got some help, granted. But he made a couple of key tackles. He won some balls. He did some dirty work. He committed himself, and he did it without being overly dirty. I don't think he got booked. Um, but Suzo could not. He loves cutting in on that left and, and, and taking a chance. You know, almost Aryan Robin like, and there, that wasn't available for him. I mean, I think the most, I think the most dangerous moment Suzo had all game is when he had to go to his right and he had to go inline and cross it on a on the ball in the first half that uh, that Itzo cleared away. That was just. Chalhanolu was waiting for on the back end. Yeah. You know, so 
so for me, I, you know, I, a guy that I never heard of. <laughs> so, uh, and I thought he was, you know, for, for the role that he had in this game, I thought he was the best player in this match. Yeah. And, uh, certainly was. And I, you know, at least from the Milan's perspective, you know, probably two players I'd put in there. Um, I would probably put Bakayoko had had a very good game. I thought, and, and yep. Calabria made some good tackles in the game without get, leaving his feet, which I thought were pretty good. Uh, cause he, he tried to make up for Suzo's, um, disappearing act, if you will, in this game. You know, he was canceled out by GG. So I thought, uh, Calabria did well, you know, with all, with a uh, potential that Conti was going to come in the game and who know where they were, who know where he was going to get slotted into. He never did come in the game, but, uh, Calabria did well, I thought. And, uh, Bakayoko, again, he's continuing to impress week in and week out. And he's, he seems like he is, he's comfortable. I said this last week. It seems like he's back to being comfortable like he was at Monaco as opposed to when he was at Chelsea in the early, in the early stages at Milan. Um, he's starting to he's starting to feel like he's at home and and playing well and he's doing some fantastic tackles. Um, you know he's uh, he's really uh, getting more consistent. And then the other player that I think, you know, we talked about this was on a couple of weeks ago in his performance against Lazio, but Christian Zapata has deputized really well. Um, you know, for what he's being asked to do. You know, I think that this is. Easily the best spell of football that Zapata has played uh, since joining Milan. Um, so Zapata has done well too as a right back playing center back. That's surprising. I thought he would be. I thought it'd be a shit show with him back there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely pleasing to see. Um, you know, guys that are picking up. You know, as a Milan supporter, guys that are picking up for the guy for the others that are injured. So it's. Um, it's uh it's it's definitely uh it's definitely a positive and uh hopefully um you know Milan can continue with this fortune. So Frank, that was the undercard. What else you got for us? Well, we're going to move on and we're going to batch the rest of match week 15. Okay, uh seven other games uh you know and we will start with Napoli uh, on Saturday taking on Frosinone at the San Paolo. Um, yeah, very careful to say that this is a uh, foregone conclusion because Napoli hosted Chievo a couple of weeks ago. That should have been a foregone conclusion as well, and it didn't exactly. happen. So we, 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 we walk on eggshells. We said, okay, Napoli are going to win this, right? Okay, and uh, that's exactly what happened. It was uh, Piotr Zielinski opening the scoring. Adam Unas with a goal of the week contender. Brilliant goal uh, to put them up 2-0. And then an Arkadius Milik brace uh, to seal the deal for Napoli. Um, Ancelotti rotating in advance of that big game at Anfield at midweek. And uh, they uh, they come through and it's three big points to still give them a, you know, a puncher's chance of, of, of catching Juventus later on in the season. Yeah, and Ancelotti put out a lineup. Like I said, it was an average age of like 25 years old or something. It was a very young lineup, and they, they dominated that win. Arkadiusz Milik getting on the score sheet twice. That had to have been great for Napoli fans. It was great to see it as a neutral get him. Uh, I think this is the most goal he's scored since he's been in Serie A because obviously he's been injury-riddled. But this is a good sign for Napoli that their, their striker is getting on the board. Uh, look out. Napoli could get really, really strong here, and uh, we'll see what they do here in this last game against in, in, in Anfield in Champions League. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so big three points there for Carlo Ancelotti to do it with uh, some different players uh, and have some guys uh, rested and ready to go uh, at Anfield, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. 
Uh, Cagliari and Roma. Uh, okay, here's the um, <laughs> here's the fun one. And you were talking about this earlier. Probably the uh, colossal collapse. Uh, you know, maybe of the week, maybe of the season. Uh, but let's uh, let's get into how it built up. Roma actually uh, get out in front and actually build a two nil lead uh, through Brian Cristante and then Alexander Kolarov. Uh, both goals before halftime. So Roma uh, go to Sardinia. They get two goals. They feel pretty good about themselves. Uh, they try to put it in c- cruise control. Um, and then in the 84th minute, Archer Yonita comes in and scores to make it 2-1. to one. Um, And then uh, stoppage time, this is where it gets fun. Uh, Dario Serna uh, apparently said something about the referee's mother. Uh, the referee didn't like it, sent him off. So then Luca Cepatelli was trying to explain to the referee what Dario Serna meant, and it got even more offensive. So <laughs> Cepatelli got a yellow for that, and then Cepatelli then decided to be vulgar towards the referee's mother, and then he got a red. That's what I'm assuming happened in all of that. I don't know. Um, and then finally, uh, that's where it got even even <laughs> even more exciting because in the 95th minute. Roma dropped two points. Marco Sal from Arta Yonita. It is 2-2. Cagliari get the draw. Roma dropped two points. Uh, and it is the comedy that is Roma, Richard. What? My gosh, what's going on with this team? I think this was a just result. And I'll say this because Cagliari played really well in the second half. Um, there's no, there's, they had no right to be in this game. Roma up 2 nothing. The game should have been over. Uh, Cagliari kept fighting. They're at home. They, it's a hard place to play. We know this. Um, I think Paolo Mazzolini, the, the referee, uh, kind of got lucky in this game because he made those two stupid red card calls, I, which I, I don't know what, what the player said, but you know, two red cards you know, put Cagliari down to nine men with you know, minutes to go in stoppage time. You know, had Marco Sal not bury that goal in the back of the net, you would hear a lot of complaining going on. But... Um, <laughs> Resilient Cagliari, which we'd never say ever, and mm-hmm. yeah, they, they get they get it done. But really, this says more about Isabio de Francesco and Roma. I mean, what was that Manolas or Fazio? Final, it's probably Fanolas uh, making that mistake there, leaving um, Marco Sal open at the end. I don't understand what's going on with with Roma uh, in Serie A and, and Champions League. They they look they look decent, but in Serie A they just can't get it together for whatever reason and. We may not be seeing EDF from very much longer with results like this. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's getting a little troubling uh, in the Eternal City, not just for Roma but for Lazio. Uh, you know, continuing to drop points, and these are the kind of things that uh, uh, that can uh, certainly prevent you from being a contender. Uh, you know, for uh, for a place in the top four. So, um, uh, but Cagliari, this is one of these teams, and we talked about them several weeks ago, and we're going to continue to talk about them. They're a resilient group. They've got some nice pieces. Uh, they're they're going to do this to a lot of people, especially at home. Uh, so, you know, it's not um, – to, for me, I, 17 points, they're sitting in 13th. I don't think they're going to be a top-half team by any stretch, but they're going to be in the top part of that that bottom tier – you know, 11th, 12th, 13th, the way they're running. They're finding ways to get points. They're finding ways to snatch things. And, uh, you know, certainly uh, I think uh, uh, I think good for them. So, um, you know, we'll, uh, you know, it's one of those that we're going to 
it's it's one of those that we're going to continue to uh, to watch because I think that they're going to continue to take points away from the contenders, and they're going to continue to be one of those teams that aggravates everybody. Yeah, Kranja deserves a lot of credit too. He had four big saves in this game yeah. as well. So you know, a lot of what a lot of their success is coming coming from him as well. He's he's one of the best players of the season, most consistent. Agreed, agreed, most definitely. Um, so uh, that finished two two. Roma dropping two points. Uh, on to another. Uh, exciting game. Sunday's action started. Sassuolo against Fiorentina. Uh, and uh, if um, this game was on really early in the morning here uh, on the uh, uh, here on the uh, North America here on the Western Hemisphere. So uh, if you uh, woke up in time to watch the second half, you're in luck because you didn't miss anything in the first half. Um, <laughs> Alfred Duncan scores a goal of the week contender in the 62nd minute. Five minutes later, Kuma Babakar comes back to haunt his former employer with a goal to put Sassuolo in front 2-0. Uh, Giovanni Simeone with a, with a goal in the 70th minute to get uh, Fiorentina back into this, but Stefano Sensi with another uh, goal of the weak contender in the 80th uh, to put Sassuolo ahead 3-1. Um, then it got fun. Uh, Filip Juricic, uh, he's shown the red, he has shown a red card. Uh I'm trying to remember what it was for. I believe it was just for a foul. Um, but uh, Juricic shown red uh, straight. Nope, I'm sorry. It was a foul. He got a yellow card for that. And then he decided to start yelling at the referee about the referee's mother. Uh, referee doesn't like it. So I said, okay, you don't want to. You don't. Oh, yellow's not enough for you. Here's a red. Go hit, go hit the showers. Um, and then uh, three minutes later, it would be Marco Benassi to get Fiorentina within 3-2. Jordan Veratu, uh gets a foul in the 91st minute that earns him a yellow. Nikola Milenkovic did not like the call. Uh, shouts obscenities at the referee about the referee's mother as well. He gets a red. So this goes to 10 v 10. I told you this weekend, Richard, everything happened. Um, <laughs> Alessandro Matri gets a foul in the 93rd minute. And then in the 96th minute, Fiorentina rescues a point through Kevin Morales on a pass from Herman Pazzella. Morales, the uh, former Everton man from that overrated Island League, uh, coming back and now playing some good football and getting a point for Fiorentina. I don't. Fiorentina is the weird team of Serie A right now because the talent is there to be much better than 12th on 19 points, and this is exactly one of the. This is this is exactly one of the teams that. Uh, uh, that you certainly think are going – there's issues here because I look at the talent that they have and I look at the teams that are sitting ahead of them right now. I think they're better than Sassuolo even though they shared points. I think they're better than Parma. Uh, and I will say that they're better than Sampdoria. They're going to get to prove that here uh, when the second half of the season starts because they'll open against them for the second half. Um, and I'll even, I'll even say they're better than Torino. Uh, so what's holding Fiorentina back? themselves really i mean G- uh, giovanni simeone he's part of the problem that you know this is the first time he scored today in like almost 900 minutes uh that you can't have that as one of your you know your your main striker sure. uh, going goalless that that's a big problem but it's also guys not playing to their potential alban lafont has been pretty good this year but he's also let up some some weak goals nothing he could have done about you know duncan's goal or sensi's goal today but um the team overall they're just not Manassi's the I think Benassi and 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 Alban Lafont are playing the best for them, but other than that, everybody else has not really been picking up the slack. 
And um, I don't know. Piello's got to Piello's got to figure something out because this team. This team is talented, and I mean the front three that they have, let alone the front three, but the rest of the team that they have, they should be they should be easily in the top ten. Yeah, and and the, all those teams that you mentioned, including Torino, they're better than all those teams, and they need to they need to start stepping it up. And I, you know, I don't know which which I thought this game was the biggest blowout loss. I mean, Fiorentina were down two goals in the 89th minute and come back and and draw, but the Roma really Roma one is actually worse because it, Roma had a Roma. It's Roma. They're they're a big club. They're up two nothing against Cagliari, and they blow that. So, but these are two horrific losses. Lo- or they're like losses, really, for Roma and and Sassuolo for the, how how they blew those leads, the big leads. Yep, agreed, agreed. And uh, Sassuolo right now, I think they've uh, they've run their course here. Uh, winless now in four in Serie A since uh, you know winning at Chievo, and then uh, that's their only win. Is that really their only win since September 27th in Serie A? It looks like it when they beat Spal 2-0. So they got off to this scorching start. Yeah. Uh, and then lost at home to Milan, uh, lost at Napoli, drew Sampdoria, drew Bologna, uh, beat Chievo, um, uh, beat 10-man Chievo, uh, drew Lazio, lost at Parma, drew Udinese, and now dropped two points against Fiorentina. They are struggling to find wins, and I think – uh, we probably saw Sassuolo peaking very early in the season, and I think this is going to be one of these teams that's going to work their way back down to 14 or 15, 14th or 15th where they normally end up. Yeah, that's a good shout. I, I think that's probably a good spot for them unless they start getting some wins, but uh, they're showing at least enough grit that they can draw games. <laughs> that's for sure. They're not losing them at least. They're not losing them at least. They're, 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 not, uh, they're not the next team we're going to talk about, Bologna. Um, who went to Empoli and uh, Giuseppe Iacchini might have found himself a home here. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was a 2-1 win for Empoli. Uh, my cousin getting on the board in the 10th minute after a nice uh, little 1-2 uh, with Antonio Lagomina. Uh, Andrea Poli turning up and turning back the clock, uh, getting on the end of a Palacio. You know, that that was all Palacio uh, on that yeah, goal. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, Poli was just the beneficiary. Uh, so that made it 1-1, and then it was uh, Lagomina tapping one in in the 80th minute to give Yakini Empoli, uh, are they unbeaten under Yakini since uh, since he's taken over? Because they're now in 14th. I, I, um, I want to say they are because uh, they're yeah they're yeah 16 points. They now. are. Yeah, they just been they've been rolling. Actually, they lost to Napoli, but um, I guess that's when Yakini came in, right? Uh, Yakini came in after the Napoli loss. Yeah, so yeah, they so beat three Udinese, wins in four games. Yeah, beat Udinese, beat Atalanta, drew Spal, and beat Bologna. So ten big points uh, straight away, and vaulting all the way up to fourteenth. Uh, Yakini, a, a journeyman manager, and has, seems to have found a place. But uh, the the strikers here for for Empoli, I think, are the story. We'll talk about them real quick before we get to Bologna. Um, uh, you know, Caputo's obviously been scoring, and he's certainly putting up some goals. Um, he's got some missed penalties. I think that uh, I want to say it was Matteo Bonetti who said it on Twitter. He said if he hadn't missed all his penalties, he'd be right in the running for Capo Canigliari. Um, uh, but uh, I think a real winner here this week is Antonio Lagomina. He's finally carving out his spot in this team and performing really, really well when Empoli needed him. When when Empoli Empoli needed him. Um, and, and this is a combination that I don't, that, that are going to give, 
you know, from the top down and say, yeah, they're going to give everybody a hard time. Certainly, certainly. And we said at the beginning of the season, well, coming into the season, we saw the, the fantastic uh, combination work between Caputo and Donnarumma last season. That's what kind of propelled Empoli to, from Serie B to Serie A. Well, he, Donnarumma left. Um, Caputo stayed, and then uh, Lagomina was brought in. So we thought, okay, still be another fantastic duel. Lagomina took for a while to to get acclimated to to Empoli. Caputo started off like a rocket, started scoring goals. We said at the beginning of the season, Empoli were they would get more results once the that duo the the duo started working together and getting some goals. And in the last four weeks, we've seen that, and Lagomina is starting to get goals now, and that's going to help Empoli continue to rocket up the table. Getting results, and I agree. This team, this 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 duo here, can make any any back line look uh, look suspicious because they they both know how to finish. They both know how to pass. They obviously, and that first goal that Caputo scored, the the give and go between each other was was excellent. Yeah. Like two got two versus four, I think, and they scored. So uh, look out for these guys uh, going here in the uh, the rest of the season. Uh, Bologna, Filippo Inzaghi, is he a dead man walking? Yes, yes, even more so than EDF. Um, we we both are we're cheering for this guy. We thought you know between him and Velasquez at the beginning of the season, we thought both of them were going to have fantastic seasons with these with these clubs. So far, Velasquez is gone already, and people is probably going to be next. Um, I don't get it. They got talent on that team. They got a really good squad. Oh, not a good squad, but they got a decent squad. They should be doing a lot better than being in relegation spot right now. And and I don't know, you know, I don't know what's going on. They can't get goals, and that's a, that's a big problem. And um. But are they are, are they where they belong? I mean, sure, where, they haven't scored anything. Were they were they better then? I mean, are they better than? I don't think they're better than Udinese. They might not be better um, than Kefil right now. Um, I don't think they're better than Spal. I they, I don't think they're better than Spal. Although that's that's probably the one team they fight with for the last you know for this last relegation spot. They're not better than Genoa. Going into the uh, season, I thought they would be near the mid table, and right now they're not playing like that at all. They have no. the players to maybe get there, but they're they're not playing at even remotely close. Oh, this is a this is a big big problem right now for Bologna, and I don't think that people in Zaghi is long for that job. So, uh, but we shall see. Uh, Parma and Kievo, that was a one-one draw. Uh, nothing happened in the first half. Stepinski scoring in the 46th minute, and then Bruno Alves. Bruno Alves with a uh, when when in the world did you ever say Bruno Alves scoring on a free kick that's a contender for goal of the week? That's that would match week 15 had it all. I'm telling you. I know, uh, but that's a, the case. That was one of the and best Bruno free Alves, kicks of the year, too. Yeah, one of the free kicks of the year. So uh, Bruno Alves equalizes for Parma, gives them the makes it a one-one draw. Uh, De Paoli sees red for Kievo because everybody everybody saw red this weekend, so why not? Um, uh, but uh, we don't have to talk a whole lot about this. Parma getting a Parma getting a point, still hanging around in the top half of the table. Kievo starting to accumulate some points, but still have not won a game this season. Uh, we asked. Um, we asked if uh, Juventus will lose a game. Is Kievo going to win a game? Ooh, if they play Bologna. <laughs> <laughs> when is that? Uh, that might have already happened, I think. Yeah, it might have um, been a draw. Yeah, that did happen. Um, I'm just going to scroll up and check it. Yeah, it was a draw back on November 11th. 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. So, yeah, we could possibly argue that the three... I mean, Bologna, Frozenone, Kievo, these are the three worst teams in Serie A at the moment. There's no getting yep. around yeah, so, Frozen has given up like twelve goals a game, so yeah, they should they should, they're they're definitely in that discussion. Yeah, for sure. And and Bologna just they uh they work their way out of games. It's it's pretty pitiful. So um so that's uh that's what happened there. Udinese and Atalanta, a uh former Udinese player returned to the Friuli and um 
Reminded them of uh, what his talent is. Duvan Zapata uh, gets a hattie against his old team uh, in classy. Didn't celebrate any of them. Uh, scored in the second minute, uh, although Kevin Lasagna would come through with a goal in the 12th minute. Uh, Zapata then would get his brace in the 62nd and then his hat trick in the 80th. We've been waiting for a Duvan Zapata breakout game for Atalanta for a long time, and it finally showed up. Yeah, let alone against his, his former team, right? Um, his first hat trick, uh, big kudos for him. Every goal was taken very well. Uh, good for him. I hope he builds on this now because we've been saying this for a while, since his Udinese days and even before that. This guy has the ta- immense talent. He just needs to put it together. This game, he put it together. Um, maybe the, you know, maybe Atalanta is just the right team for him, and he's done well with them so far, but this is by far his best game, and i like to see more from this. i like to see more goals from him, multi-goal games by this guy because he has the potential. Um, he obviously does. He's a, he's got... He's almost got five-star tools, uh, so he needs to just put it all together. And uh, excellent game for him. Excellent. You know, Atalanta dominated the possession of this game, dominated the chances. Um, you know, but Udinese, are you seeing some signs here that uh, you know that, or is it, or, or is it, do, do, do they look the same? And do the Pozzo family really just waste their time firing um, uh, Velasquez? I know Nicola is a good manager. Um, and had gotten has yielded some decent results. Obviously, the big win over the win over Roma, um, you know, chief among them. And then obviously drawing at Sassuolo because everybody's drawing Sassuolo these days. Um, but uh, I, is this going to last here for for Davide Nicola? Uh, you got to think he'll get through the he'll get through the season, especially if he can keep Udinese up. If he keeps him out of the relegation. You know, bottom three, then yeah, he'll keep his job. But and I can also see, you know, Udinese starting to slip down again. If I mean, it's going to be hard because the three teams at the bottom are very, very bad. But for some reason, they get say they get hot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I can see him. I can see his reign being gone because Udinese hasn't really changed much. They've done a little. They had that little, a little blip against Roma because we we thought it would happen. New manager and and Roma, you know, were right for the fall there and. Um, yeah, I just uh, I haven't seen much of a difference with Udinese. Surprisingly, with they're another team that's uber talented that are under underperforming. And um, yeah, just it's I think they're safe for now. And not, Nicola is going to be safe for now for a while. Uh, but so it, if they get start getting close to that bottom three, then uh, look out. His, jet, yep. his head could be gone. Yep, yep. That's uh, I guess that's a good way to put it. And we finish with Genoa hosting Spal. Um, a new face at Genoa that kind of flew under the radar. Cesare Prandelli is back in our lives as Genoa manager. Uh, you have a comment about that from one of our listeners. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so first off on Cesare Prandelli, he is um, good to see him back in Syria. Um, he obviously took it, took it quiet for a while. Um, now that he's back, it's actually uh, all 30 teams in Syria or 30, excuse me, all 20 teams in Serie A are managed by, by an Italian player, or by an Italian manager. That's the first time it's happened in a while. Uh, so the comment came from Peter uh, Albi, and it says, Great to see Prandelli back in Serie A for Genoa. He's been a fantastic coach that should have been brought back sooner to the league, but like most talented Italians, Serie A forgets about them. So uh, anyway, yeah, he's just happy to see Prandelli back. Um, I am too. Uh, hopefully with a team like Genoa, he can uh, get them performing better obviously Piantic scores you'll get to that but um he he's had some good spells in Serie A most notably with uh Fiorentina 
But um, yeah, we'll see what he can do with Genoa. I think he'll uh, he'll do good things with them. I don't think there'll be the dentist chair anymore. There'll be some entertain entertaining football coming from them. Yeah, I think he's going to get them to play some attractive football. No doubt about it. Uh, that's how he's that's how he's kind of patterned his teams. I think if you look at his Fiorentina teams in particular, they always uh, they, they they played in, they they played an attacking style of football, but they also bound, were they were pretty balanced. Uh, so, you know, looking forward to seeing what he's going to do with this general group, uh, onto the game. Domenico Crescito apparently didn't care about playing in this game in the 11th minute. He got a straight red for, uh, uh, taking his cleats to some poor small guys. Uh, um, um, no, well, it's a family, uh, podcast. Midsection. Oh, midsection. Mid- midsection. Okay. Was it the midsection? I hope it was the midsection. Cause I would we'll feel call awful. that. We'll call yeah. it that. I would feel awful for that guy. Um, but anyway, uh, so, uh, he, he, uh, he had an early exit from this game. Uh, Genoa were down to 10 men, so a, a bit of an inauspicious debut for Cesare Prandelli, and then it got worse in the 15th minute. Andrea Patania heads home to put Spall in front, but a Christoph Piantic penalty uh, leveled the scoring at 1-1, and uh, that's about all you need to know uh, as far as this game is concerned. Um, the uh, Capocan and Yeti race now. Uh, cause Piantek is still trying to make this a thing. Um, he, he I, I, he clearly I'm pulling for the guy, I'm pulling for the guy. Yeah, but he's not going to win it. <laughs> so hey, they got Prandelli now. Maybe they start getting offensive. No, nah, they're not going to win. He's not going to win it, but yeah, but, uh, he's, he's continuing to make this a thing. Uh, you know, you obviously the, uh, sharks are, uh, the sharks are circling as we talked about a few weeks ago. um, you know, taking a look at uh, that Capocani Yoda race, I'm trying to pull that up right now. Um, yeah, he he has a slight lead over um, Immobile and Ronaldo. Uh, he has 11; yep. they have 10 each. Um, and then your uh, your your cousins right there. Yep, uh, Immobile, Ronaldo, and Piantec. Uh, Piantec with 11. Immobile and Ronaldo on 10. Uh, Quagliarella and Icardi on eight. Insigne, Caputo, Mertens, and Milik. Uh, and then Zukic, big game Mo, uh, on seven. Um, and then Rodrigo De Paul, De Frel, and Papaletti each with six. So actually, Caputo got his eighth today, so he's actually moved up now. Oh, they don't. Yeah, they don't have that updated. Yeah, you're right. Okay, I'm looking at one that hasn't updated it. So oh, you're oh. putting down your own family. Look at that, man. Come on. Well, <laughs> if he'd make a few more penalties, he's you know he had it coming. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, as Bonetti would say, if he'd make a few more penalties, he'd be at the top of the chart right now. So he probably would, actually. Yep. So, you know, evaluating the table, it's Juventus is eight points clear of Napoli. Inter on twenty nine now. Milan getting a point to stay a point up on Lazio in fourth. And considering that Torino is sixth, really no shame in sharing the points there, is there? No, no, really. I mean, I, mean, I didn't know. I didn't realize. Watching the game, you don't realize that Torino is that high in the table. You know they have the potential to be top ten, uh, top ten team in the league. But um, I, I must have must have slipped my mind with uh, with Torino. And yeah, so you know drawing you know to a sixth place team, team is just slightly behind you. There's no there's no shame in that. And your team is injury riddled. Uh, it's it's a decent result for Milan. Yep, Atalanta, boy, they're out they're firing like crazy right now. Um, I mean, and I think, they, I, I, I think they even played well in the in the home defeat to Napoli. Um, and they're right there now, uh, and they're going to make they're going to make life miserable on everybody. Uh, Gasparini's really got them playing, so there's somebody to keep an eye on right now as far as how this table shakes out. 
Roma and Lazio really, really shaky. So I see one of those two possibly dropping out of the top six at the expense of Atalanta at this point. If this form continues the way it does, clearly it's not going to for the rest of the season. Uh, but we definitely have to uh, uh, bear those things in mind. Um, looking at uh, the bottom, we talked about Bologna, Frozenone, Kievo. Um, they're the three worst teams in Serie A, and they are rightly in 18th, 19th, and 20th. Uh, Udinese uh, maybe needs to um, get things sorted out here um, with uh, um, <clears throat> with Nicola as a manager because they're dangerously hovering above. Uh, they've got the talent to be a lot better than where they're sitting. Spall, Spall I think, is going to be the team that if Bologna is going to catch anybody, uh, it's going to be Spall. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's fair enough. Spall, uh, they started out pretty well to start the season, uh, but they've been faltering as of late. Um, they had a It was a decent game against Genoa, but other than that, they've really not done much uh, in the last yeah, month or so. And, yeah, I agree. Bologna, if they're going to catch anyone, it's going to be Spall. Um, I think Genoa are now uh, under new manager, uh, new leadership, I should say, with Prandelli. They're going to they're going to do better. Empoli have been doing better. Cagliari, uh, they they obviously do well at home. Uh, they're going to get boosted by that draw against Roma and Fiorentina are, are are in the ascendancy as well. So really, Spall is the only team that they can catch. Um, so really, after Spall and on the way down, I think those are the teams that you're going to have to battle it out with. And uh, Bologna better hope like heck that the uh, they, they start getting some wins here because uh, otherwise they're going to be looking looking to spall far, far away. Yep, yep, for sure. So so that's what we're seeing at the uh, in the uh, Serie A uh, tables. What are you seeing? Go to at Serie A, sit down on Twitter or Instagram with your thoughts. Let's wrap this bad boy up with a preview of Europe. All right, big, big games, Richard, uh, in the Champions League. Uh, across the board right now uh, as, as, it, as it pertains to Serie A. Um, <clears throat> Roma are the only, well, Roma and Juventus have both clinched their places into the last 16. Um, but uh, right now, Napoli currently top Group C over PSG and Liverpool. PSG on eight points, Liverpool on six. PSG have to travel uh, to play Cervantes Zvezda, uh, Napoli, uh, head to Anfield to take on Liverpool, where uh, a point and Napoli go through. Um, if uh, otherwise, um, uh, a, a loss, depending on the nature of the loss, a loss by two goals and they're going to go out. If they lose uh, a score loss, okay, I think this is the way I understand it, Richard, um, a 2-1 defeat and they'll uh, they'll have the head-to-head over Liverpool because of a 1-0 win at the San Paolo. Um, so that's important. Inter right now currently um, trail or currently in third behind Tottenham Hotspur um, uh, on points and on head-to-head. Uh, Tottenham with seven, Inter with seven. Inter are hosting PSV. Tottenham are heading to the Camp Nou. So that's the uh, redeeming quality there. And then... Um, Juventus, their situation right now, win, and they wrap up top spot in Group H. They travel to Switzerland to take on Young Boys. Uh, and then Roma are traveling to the Czech Republic to take on uh, Pilsen. It's kind of a throwaway game for Roma. They can't, uh, they can't get eliminated from the Champions League, but they can't overtake Real Madrid for first. So 
We'll set the Roma one aside. That's a throwaway game. Let's focus on these other games, especially the Tuesday matches. Inter hosting PSV and Napoli traveling to Anfield. Those are the two big games we're focusing on. Start with Inter and PSV. They need to win and they need or they need to have a better result. They need to have a better result at home against PSV than Tottenham has at the Camp Nou. Um, do we just conclude that Tottenham are going to lose at Barcelona? No, we shouldn't. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, the logic says Barcelona is going to play their B team and Tottenham can win that game. I, I, Barcelona don't like to lose at home, period. Whether they have the group wrapped up or not, uh, they have too much pride to do that. So look for look for a very uh, strong lineup for. Well, I mean, it may not to be their best lineup, but it'll be a strong lineup by Barcelona, and they're gonna at minimum get a draw, I would think. But you never know if if Tottenham play it right, if Pochettino plays it right, they could get a win in this. Inter need to act like you like Tottenham gonna win and go you know go balls out you know to, you know excuse me it's for it's a it's a family show but they need to they need to score early against PSV and then keep scoring don't don't make it a close game uh, if you let PSV score early that's gonna give them you know give them all the uh, um, the momentum and, and make it even harder on yourself Just score early and then keep scoring against PSV and then and then see what happens if you at least do that if you go out and you win big and so hey, Tottenham do win. Hey, it is what it is. At least you you gave it a fighting chance, right? Fighting chance, right? But if you if you if you have a poor performance against PSV, you don't even deserve to move on, regardless of what happens in the other game. So um, I, I think Spalletti needs to get this right. Um, this is a big game for them because I think if Inter go on through, this is massive because not many people pegged them to go through in this group uh, when the, when, this, when the draw came out. Right. Uh, so they have. I, I think they'll win because it's a. Um, it's a uh, it's a PSV that has nothing to play for. You can't. We'll we'll see what Mark Van Bommel decides to do and, and what he decides to put out. But the likes of a Herving Lozano, um, a a you know a, a De Jong, uh, you know some of the. I don't know if he plays his best team in this game. So I think Inter can certainly go to town here uh, and win by a pretty large margin. Um, it's all about what happens at the Camp Nou. Um, and even if Barcelona rests Messi, for example, um, they still can field a, a strong enough team, uh, you know, to give Tottenham some fits. And, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, I can call out is that Tottenham's a waveform. Uh, they just lost at Arsenal last week. Um, you know, they, they, they can give up goals. They can have the propensity. Do you, in the final analysis, see Inter overtaking uh, Tottenham for second spot and uh, going through to the knockouts. I do, I do. I mean, I could see Mark Van Bommel want to play spoiler against his uh, former rival in Inter and 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 get them, you know, eliminated from the from the from the league. But I ultimately, I think it's going to be Inter, and I think they're going to win pretty comfortably, maybe two nothing, three one, um, and get that victory that they need. And I think you know Barcelona will do them a favor. And at least get a draw out of their match against Tottenham. And I do see uh, Inter moving on in the second place in that group. Yep. I should point out Tottenham did win at Leicester, and they did it with a kind of a backup team. I mean, uh, Erickson and Kane were came on as substitutes, um, and uh, Lucas Mora kind of started in a false nine. Uh, Son had a big role in this game for for Tottenham. So, uh, but I. I it's Camp No. I can't see Tottenham getting it done. I, I, I think that I'm going to stick to my guns here. Inter's going to get the better result than Tottenham, and they'll go through as the second-place team. Uh, 
All right, now, Anfield, the big one, Napoli at Liverpool. Um, it's a, I mean, there's so much on the line here. Uh, it can go from uh, being top of the uh, first place in the group to getting consigned to the Europa League. Uh, that's how tight this group <laughs> yeah. is. That's how crazy it is. So um, let's, uh, let's discuss this. Uh, what do they have to do at Liverpool uh, to get the necessary result to go through. Listen to Carlo Ancelotti. Uh, he is he. You brought him in for reasons like this. It's not to win Scudetti. It's to to do well in, in the European nights. This is going to be the, the most difficult of places you can go to in a European night. Liver at Anfield on a Champions League night is ridiculously hard. It's like amped up ten times more than normal. Uh, that said, Ancelotti is the right manager to have in this position. He'll have the guys tactically ready to, you know, take care of whatever Liverpool will try to bring at them. I think they should play for a win, but at the at the very least, make sure it's it's closed up shop in the in the back where uh, they're not going to give up too much and and at the worst case scenario have a draw in this. Um, I think it'd be fantastic for Syria, Ancelotti, and Napoli if they get a win and win the group. But you know. If they can at least get a, a draw um, in this game, I think that's good enough for them, and they'll move on. Uh, but it'll be very. I think. Uh, I think Ancelotti's tactics are gonna are gonna win this for Napoli, and and but by winning, I mean progressing through the group. Yeah. Um, so you do you see them going through? They're gonna have the tactics. They're gonna find the way to get it done. I think it's going to be a draw, and I think uh, Napoli get through. Whether they go get through in first or second, I don't know, but they'll they'll get through with a draw. I'm I I I'm with you. I think they uh, they get a draw here. I think it's going to be one of the games of the season. I'm going to say it's two two, um, and uh, I'd say PSG will will narrowly get a win against Serena's Vezda to win the group um, on eleven points with Napoli on ten. And I see Inter and uh, Napoli both going through, and we're going to have four Serie A teams uh, in the knockout rounds, which would be outstanding. Now, um, Juventus, just their last bit of business, traveling to young boys. How strong of a team do you see Max Allegri putting out with the, uh, with the Derby della Mole coming up on Saturday? It's not going to be that strong a lineup. It's going to be strong enough lineup, and they're going to be resourceful Juve in this. It's going to be closer than... Then Juventini would want, but it's going to be enough. It's going to be like one nothing or or two nothing game. Um, they'll do just enough, and they'll have just a strong enough lineup to to get the result. Does Sami Kadira play, for example, over a Milan Pjanic? Yeah, I would I would think so, just because they want to say Pjanic or maybe the Derby della Mole. But um, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't. Bentancur has been playing so well. Pjanic is playing so well. Uh, but you know, to give to give the other guys the rest, it's a good time to bring in Kadira. It's a perfect time against young boys. If it's Manchester United, I would say error, error on the side of, of, of not playing him, but um, I think you got a chance in this game to, to allow him to play. Sure, sure. Um, I think they win. I think, you know, young boys showed some uh, resilience in their, um, uh, in their, uh, in their defeat, uh, narrowly losing uh, at Manchester United. Uh, so they're not going to make it easy. I think this is going to be like a one nil, two nil type of win for Juventus. I don't think they're going to go out, you know, and overwhelm young boys, but I think that they're going to do, you know, they're going to do just, they're going to do enough. They're going to get the three points, go on with their business because that's how they, that's how they do things. So, um, and so they'll, they'll get the win. Uh, they'll get that required three points to, uh, to win group H over Manchester United. 
and put themselves at the top of the group so that they can avoid, um, you know, some of these, you know, some of these tougher teams. So, um, and then finally, uh, Lazio is already through to the next round of the Europa League. Uh, they played a they played a reserve team in their loss against Apollon in match week five. Uh, I expect them to do something similar uh, at home against Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, but Milan still have a little bit of work to do traveling to Olympiacos. Um, Milan are on 10 points. Olympiacos are on 7 points. you got Real Batiste on 11 points. Um, and uh, uh, Batiste uh, get the dude lounge who uh, don't have a single point. So we got to make it a foregone conclusion that Real Batiste will go on and be the group winner here. Uh, so the remaining spot is down to Milan and Olympiacos. And last time they got together, was it 3-1 to Milan? Uh, yeah, I think that was the scoreline, actually. Okay. Um, I'm just taking a look at their matches right now. Uh, they did have a better result against the Dude Lounge, I think. Well, not was seen in the last game, obviously, but uh, they had a pretty good win against the Dude Lounge uh, match day four, I want to say. Okay. Essentially, essentially for Milan, the permutations are this. Don't lose by more than two goals, which I don't think they're going to do. Um, and, uh, you know, so lose by you, you lose by a goal, you're good. You draw, you're good. You win, you're good. And I think that that's, uh, that, that gives a, uh, Milan a significant chance of going through. Um, I, I think they'll get a draw. I, I think that Gattuso is going to go ahead and mix this up a little bit. Um and uh, but but they'll get a draw and they're not going to be bothered by it. What do you think? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it'll be. Well, I think Milan will do what they need to to progress. Um, I don't. I don't see a win in this game. I think they'll probably draw this game. Um, but I think uh, they're not going to lose this game. They're not going to lose by certainly more than two goals. Um, they're going to probably finish second in the group and, and and move on. But um, yeah, it'll be. Athens or Athens, Greece has typically been a good place for for Milan mm-hmm. uh, historically. So I think that'll continue. And like I said, I think I think they'll get a score draw on this one and 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 move on. Yep, yep. I I can I can certainly subscribe to that. So, um, uh, so that's that's what we think. We'll have all Serie A teams, all four in Serie A, going through to the last sixteen. We think Lazio already going through in the Europa League. We think Milan will join them. What do you think uh, at City? I sit down on Twitter or Instagram. We've got one last listener question, Richard, I believe, in regards to Zlatan and Milan. Yeah, yeah. So, as many of you know, I mean, obviously, the big name for Milan this uh, this January window is going to be Paqueta um, from South America. But the big name that looms, uh, as all Milanese always want to know, are, will their old loved ones come back? You know, and so this name that they're talking about now is Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, a lot of rumors have been going about him uh, joining on a loan uh, to Milan during the off season. So the question here is from at the only taps, and he thought he asked, "What are our thoughts on the whole Zlatan to Milan saga?" He believes it would be it would be better for Milan. Um, to chase, you know, midfield depth and balance on the in the in the roster rather than getting Ibrahimovic. Um, so, what do we think? Do we think it's uh, Milan should go for Zlatan, or do we think they should, should go for some more depth in other parts of the uh, of the squad, like the midfield, for example? You go and get Zlatan. You, you go and get him. I mean, he has elevated teams wherever he's gone, especially in Italy. You look at his track record, what he did at Juve, what he did at Inter, what he did at Milan. 
you go and get him and you, and you, and, and you carve out a role for him in the team. So that's my take. That's where I'm, you know, that's, that, that's where I'm, that's where I'm rolling on this. So where would he fit with a team with Iguain and Cutrone? Cutrone is going to be on the bench and I don't know if you want to have him on the bench. I, I do. do you? That's or one of the you? things. Cutrone played so well uh, today. I mean, and I, some of the things that, you know, there's, there's things that Cutrone is going to do that you're not going to get Ibra to do in his advanced age. Like some of the coming all the way back, yeah, yeah, backtracking and winning the ball back and things like that. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, so, you know, that's something that, um, that's something that uh, you, you, you definitely got to look at and consider. Um, uh, but you could also bring Cutrone on as a second half substitute. I would definitely have him be part of this team. I would definitely, you know, with his pedigree, with his ability to score goals, I would definitely have him involved. So we'll see. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm curious to uh, see how this is going to play out. I'm looking forward to what Lucas Paqueta can bring to this team. Uh, you know, talking to, uh, you know, some of the folks that are in the know with Brazilian football, they say it's a good get for the Rosaneri. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, but as far as the midfield depth, some of these guys are going to come back. You know, Bonaventura, um, what's his, where's he at right now with his injury? I think he's going to be back later in the season, isn't he? Or is he done? I thought it was like eight to nine month uh, injury. I thought, I could be wrong, but I thought, I thought it was eight to nine month injury. Okay, not him, but Bilia is going to be back at some Bilia point. Bilia should be back uh, in the winter, I believe. Yep, Bilia is going to be back. Um, you, you, you've got enough depth. Um, you know, Chalhanolu, when pressed, if you want to get into a 4-3-3, can sit in one of those midfield roles. So I don't think there's a whole lot you have to do. There's talk about Cesc Fabregas, which I wouldn't hate. Um, uh, I, I, you know, he brings a lot of experience. Um and uh, I think that he could he could certainly be he could certainly be of use. Um, I could see him playing something like a Bonaventura role. Uh, he's good on the dead ball. He can take corners. Uh, so that's another direction that Milan may uh, eventually end up. So um, I think you can I, I think you can do both. I don't think you just throw all your eggs because Ibrahimovic is just going to be alone. You're going to be able to go out and get another midfielder, whether it's an experienced player like Fabregas or whether you bring in somebody young. So. Yeah, that, that's that's certainly an idea. I'm, I love Ibrahimovic. Um, I would love to see Milan address midfield and get get someone else in the midfield just for added depth. I think yeah. what they have is is fine. Um, they need someone in defense. You know, cause we uh, I don't know how long these injuries are to Muzaki or Romagnoli and Caldara, uh, and Conti is obviously just getting back. So I don't know how long the, with the three center backs. You know, I want to get someone there, back there to help out Zapata. Abate, while he's doing an admirable job as is Zapata, I want someone out, someone a little bit more experienced, someone who's not necessarily going to be um, the main guy once everyone's healthy, but uh, who someone's going to get us to the finish line. So a defense, they can address the defense and uh, midfield, maybe add another guy. But I think I'm, I'm pretty fine with that. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to to Zlatan. Uh, he wouldn't be my first choice. As far as what to address this winter, but um, if you can get him on a loan, why not? Like you said, his his, his track record in Syria and 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 in European and world football is uh, says it all. Um, my only concern with that is how would it how would the how would it look between his ego and Iguain, and then now Suzo starting to have an ego himself, and so would that be a conflict there? That's all. That's the only thing I worry about with Zlatan. Well, I love him, one of my favorite players ever. Um, I just see his personality clashing with Iguain, but hey, 
you know, he had typically has not had clashes with his with his teammates. He's pretty been a good teammate. Um, he is a big star, as you as you know. He attracts stuff. So I think he and Iguain could ultimately do really well together. But um, yeah, that that would be my only concern with it with the with the signing of Zlatan. Sure, sure. Um, so let's uh, let's see how that plays out. Uh, it's it's an interesting one. But I think as far as I think there's room to do to get him on loan and still bring another midfielder. So we'll see what uh, Leonardo decides. Um, there is another report just kind con- you know, um, that's, uh, being floated out there, um, uh, uh, that Leonardo told, this is from football Italia again, uh, told Sky Sport Italia that Ibrahimovic will not return to Milan. Uh, he gave his word to the LA Galaxy that he renewed his contract. We thought about his return and he thought about it too, but he's keeping his word and will remain in MLS. He's always said from the start that if LA Galaxy satisfied his conditions, then he would remain. They are doing that, and he will stay there. It would have been a marvelous story and a strong signal, but it will not be possible. Um, and uh, he says nothing about a loan, though. So I mean, six month loan. We've seen with Beckham before in LA. So sure, sure, for sure. And um, you know, that's the other. Uh, that's the other. Uh, uh, you know. Uh, considering the possibility, they're still evaluating the conditions, but they are in advanced. Uh, you know, there's, there's reports that Milan are in advanced negotiations for Cesc Fabregas. Uh, they're evaluating it, they're considering it, but they're not, you know, they're still kind of evaluating things. So, um, and it looks like there's going to be an incoming sanction for breaching financial fair play rules again for Milan. I think it's just, this is not going to be as crazy as some of the stuff that they talked about last summer. I think this is going to be in the, uh, in, in, in the way of a fine. Uh, so, you know, a lot to still kind of go through. I mean, you know, uh, at this point, just reading that, it sounds like Ibra is going to be a fantasy uh, for Milan. Um, I'd love to see him back, but uh, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. But at the same time, we'd love to see him back, uh, you know. And I think it would be good for the league's profile as well. Uh, on top of that, uh, but then then you know, I, I agree with the midfield needs strengthening. Fabregas is the name being floated out there, but certainly Milan are going to evaluate things as Leonardo says. So. That puts a bow on this edition of Serie A Sit Down, unless you got anything else, Richard. Uh, no, that's it, Frank. Yeah, let's see. They've heard enough. They've heard us enough. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, shameless plug time. Uh, social media and anything else you want to uh, you want to give a tout about? Um, the only thing I'll mention is uh, not Serie A related. Um, I recently uh, got a collaboration with uh, FC Schalke. Um, they're gonna be uh, we're collaborating with my podcast and the team to make us. They're gonna like promote our podcast and stuff. So that I got that going on on the side. Um, but other than that, I got nothing writing. Just busy with the baby, busy with work. So uh, as always, you can find me everywhere on social media at r underscore k h a r m a n. Well, that's plenty anyway. So uh, and good for you and and good for you and congratulations, congratulations on the on the collaboration with the Shalka Pot. That's excellent news. Um, I'm at FTC underscore 21. Uh, you're pretty much just finding me here now. I uh, don't have uh, much time for blogs or for predictions or anything like that. Things are really starting to get away with me, especially with the Chris, uh, away from me, especially with the Christmas season. So, um, so you'll just hear me on this fine podcast unless I guest here or there at other places. So, um, at City, I sit down on Twitter or Instagram for comments or questions or anything else you want to hear about the, anything else you want to hear about the, uh, the league. Um, you can also, uh, find us. We have our own channel on iTunes. 
and on SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher Radio as well. Uh, so uh, plenty to uh, plenty of places to find us. You can go to WorldFootballIndex.com. Plenty of other great content, podcasts, uh, a lot of uh, great stuff being written about the controversy surrounding the second leg of the Copa Libertadores uh, with Boca Juniors and River Plate. Check some of that out, um, and uh, and plenty of other. Uh, Plenty of other great stuff uh, covering leagues around the world. So uh, for Richard, I'm Frank. I want to thank you for listening. And as always, be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.